Now is the time to negotiate. It goes back to this market. And this is where you don't just shine now because all oh, the whole market's running up. You're going to shine because you need to make money on the buy. And so being Thank able you. to get that price down. There it is. Is what matters. So the very first thing starts with the price. The asking price is going to be better than it was before. Then you may be in a situation to negotiate that price right from stage one, you could be in a, a better position right now. All right. Welcome, Welcome to the Master Keys Podcast. Yes, I'm indeed. Neil Andrino. I'm Chandler Halbert, and this is episode 45, I think. 46, 49. I'm way off. Wow. Yeah. Did you miss the month? We're moving right through this year. We're back, as always, trying to hit you guys with some really valuable information about what we think is going on in the markets, in the world, specifically with a focus on real estate, because that's what we do. That's what we love. If you're here, you love real estate, too. Uh, it's an exciting time to be in real estate, which is um, not to say it's it's a time without turbulence or some, some scary stuff going on, but it's still an exciting time to be in real estate. Yeah, and hopefully we can be here to help you guys with that. And if those of you that are new here, our podcast is all about real estate investing, investing in general, business in general, kind of what Chandler and I are doing and our, our best opinions. We're real estate agents uh, and I'll say real estate investors and business owners. Uh, we've sold four or $500 million worth of real estate. We own around it's 500 200 units. It's uh, 500 million. Right, right, $500 in real estate. Um, and we're really trying to make this podcast to help you guys out. And that's totally. our focus. Yep. We love that you guys follow. You guys shout us out online. You shout us out in person. You um, showed us out on your Spotify yearly wrapped up recently. Yes, respect. A that bunch was of awesome. You. That thank was you. Awesome. If you're listening to this on whatever platform, uh, thank you for showing us that. We've, we've reshared them. Please post it up. I know there's all these memes making fun of people who post their Spotify wrapped. Uh, and I couldn't post mine because some of my kids have been listening on my Spotify and it ruins my street cred when like <laughs> the number one song is not one of my songs. It's one of their songs. But um, appreciate you guys throwing us up there um, because it means a lot to us personally, but also spreads the word. We're trying to build this community and we have some super exciting stuff coming for the new year. I feel like we've been saying that for a while. Yep. But the forum. The new year's not here yet. So yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a website and a forum coming. There's going to be a space for you guys uh, to chat. We're also going to have off-market deals in there. Um, and it's going to be combined with our Patreon. So on top of getting like the premium content where we really boil down the numbers on spreadsheets and, and really delve into the, the details and the nitty-gritties, you're also going to have a space to uh, chat with people that are like-minded to you um, and doing the same stuff. So. Yeah, and... Um to that point, in today's episode, what we're going to talk about, I mean, we got a few things to fire out. We're, we're trying did, to figure what out. What did you do here? Oh, my baking's ready. What did you do? I just threw some cinnamon buns in the oven. This guy broke the timer. Yeah. There we go. Um, we're going to talk about a couple things today. I mean, a lot of people have been asking me about whether or not we're nearing the quote-unquote bottom of this situation, so we can talk about that. But what else we have here today that we think people want to want to hear about? Yeah, we have what, what people should be doing, you say, as a buyer in this market. Yeah. Like, that is the number one thing, and we think that will help you guys. We're seeing, again, a big turn, and I've been trying to educate some of my clients. Chandler's been working with his clients to make sure that they're doing what we need to be doing, because it's almost like it's been two, three years of a certain way of purchasing, and so now you got to dial it back and think a little bit less aggressively, in my opinion, uh, and be a little smarter about making your purchases. So we're going to talk about that a little bit later on, on what we think you should be doing to make sure you get the best buys and kind of take advantage of how this market is. You need to change your aggression from your aggression towards the market to your aggression towards the seller. I need to. <laughs> I'm serious. So, you know, for a while we were chasing the market and we were aggressively trying to go after the market and get ahead of the market and, and all these things. And that was where we were putting our aggression. And now you sort of want to... pissed at your seller. You you need to 
be aggressive towards your bottom line and aggressive towards your seller. We got a Not couple a way, fun questions know. for each other that we're going to start asking our guests, and we want to get your guys' feedback if you think they're good. Um, and then just a couple little stories that are taking place in the news, and we want to talk about how they're impacting today's market and what it means for you guys uh, being out there and what you should look out for coming up. Yeah, and I don't know, um, those of you who have been listening a little bit lately, you, Neil, you know Neil is obsessed with this idea of living and renting RVs. Um, you've got yes. a story that is one degree removed from that. Let's open with that. Before we get started, everyone knows I like my tight shirts. Yeah. And if you're watching on YouTube, you're going to take a look at this. I put this shirt on and bent my arm and I blew out the elbow. Not so, due to muscles. This I was going to say. Simply because the bone length is longer than the uh-huh. arm is. So apparently I can't wear Baby Gap double XS. It's yeah. Only baby gap small. You went extra small out. with the 32 inch arm <laughs> or whatever it is, whatever your cut um, is. You shortchanged it a bit. Anyways, moving on. It's somewhere on. between a t shirt and a long sleeve. <laughs> We're not quite sure. Uh, but now it's got. Actually, you can get like those patches, you know, and pretend like you're some important prof. Get patches on your elbows. It's a crop top. Yeah, seriously. Um, Anyways, back to what Chandler was saying. Your triceps are too big. I have an interesting story that I saw a few weeks ago. I think it might have been better dwelling about it, but it might also have been a CBC article um, that a ad in Vancouver was renting vans. So they're like the old shag and wagon vans where they have a bed in the inside and like a basic setup. They're renting vans in a parking lot outside an apartment building for $9.99 a month the bathroom and shower are inside the building. So what you do is you message the main landlord or you have keys to have access and you go inside and you can use the bathroom, you can use the shower, but your room, the space that you actually sleep in and live in is a outside van, down in by a the van. <laughs> yes. Down by the river. If you don't know what that is, that's from, uh, is it John Farley is his name? <laughs> no, it's Chris Farley. Chris Farley, damn. Jeepers, this guy doesn't know the old cast at all. I don't know the new ones either. <laughs> uh, yeah, Chris Farley. Chris Farley's got a good skit about living down by the river. But yeah, literally, you can rent a van in a parking lot for $9.99 a month, and you have to go inside to use the bathroom and shower. And from my understanding, is that apartment's also been cut off. So into someone a bunch provides of the van? Yeah, they provide the van in the parking space. So I think yeah. someone's going out and buying these used vans, renting a bunch of parking spaces in this lot, and then renting them out. This is so creepy. So slightly creepy, but basically feeding into the idea that I had that you can rent <laughs> these RVs and make How a ton of money. How much are they charging? $9.99 a month. $9.99. Well, $999, not yeah. $9.99. Yeah, $999. Jeepers. I mean, I've got so many questions. Um, one is, is... Is it available? <laughs> <laughs> How do I get me in that van? Uh, is there candy inside? Um, <laughs> the... Creeper included. So they're advertising this openly because I feel like this is a scenario where the city at some point is going to be like, uh, you can't do that. Yeah, but if they're I advertising yeah, but blatantly, I don't know, like, is there a rule against it right now? Well, I mean, I saw on Airbnb, this was a while ago, people would, like, rent their car to be slept in overnight. Um, that you can sleep in my car for X dollars a night. Like, there's That's some crazy insane. stuff out there. When you think about a campsite, it's effectively the same thing. They're like... I don't know if it's the same thing. <laughs> it's, kind of, it's kind of the same. Like, there's campsites. Yeah. And you can rent the vans from, like, some certain sites, or you can rent a van and take it to the site. And then they have yeah. a hut full of showers and toilets, and you just go in there and use that. Yeah. So, I mean, this is pretty wild. And, I mean, we're talking $1,000 for someone to sleep in the back of a van, which this time of year is very cold. I, I'm assuming these are not nice new insulated vans. Like, 
Culture. They are insulated vans, though. They're, they're camper vans. They're camper vans. Okay. Oh, they're not oh, like the that, camper okay. vans that you imagine, like the big ones. They're like yeah, I know normal size vans, yeah. but they've been converted into campers on the inside. This so they have a little bit of cabinetry and a little a little bed. I actually okay. rented one when I was in BC. So this is like they're like a West Valley, but a newer version. Right. Yeah, it's a West Valley. Okay. Maybe so that's newer, probably but. <laughs> how they're getting around it. They're probably renting it under the guise of like, I'm renting you a vehicle. Yeah. That's probably how they're doing you it. You just so happen to park. Oh, my gosh. That's kind of ingenious. See? Not the worst thing. In the I have world. A, a vacant lot that I run a community garden out of because uh, it's a future development site, and there was actually someone. Um, <laughs> it's there. There one day I showed up there, and there's always people up to like some shenanigans on this site because I don't know whatever people see a vacant lot and they're like, I'm going to do my shenanigans over here. Um, but there was someone who lives in like one of these Instagram hipster small vans, yeah. and she was there with like a full-on mechanic truck servicing her van because there was something up with the heating system and like there's only one or two people in town who can work on these heating systems in these living vans. Mm -hmm. And um, I was kind of going over there like, hey, how's it going? I have tried to imply like, what are you doing doing? Yeah. Um, And then she's like, oh, yeah, just working on the heat. And she like said, and John's here. And then so I thought she was a friend of one of my tenants. I'm like, oh, John and like Kate? She's like, no. And I'm like, Okay, and it was just awkward. I'm like, well, cool van, and I just left because I didn't know what to say. I didn't want to kick her out, but um, <laughs> what you're saying As is the oil very... spills out into your lot. Yeah, really. Um, but, yeah, you've, you've piqued my interest um, because that would make a great site for it, but she has, like, a, a composting toilet or something like that, but, man, that's definitely how they're working around it. They're renting it like an RV yeah. and saying, yeah, you can park here, and, and by the way, I also own that building, so you can go inside and use this facility. Mm-hmm. Um, huh. Uh, Interesting. It sounds kind of crazy, but when you think about it, we're seeing it in Halifax now, but I see uh, Ford Transit, Mercedes Sprinters, like those big, tall vans parked all over the streets at nighttime. Like, I live downtown, and when we make a run to Superstore to get snacks or whatever... There are vans parked all over the place because it's free overnight parking. And they are clearly like live-in vans. Like you can see the curtains in the windows. You can see the, sometimes that lights are on. Yeah. Um, and then they're gone in the morning. And usually like there's there's a Y down the street from us. Uh, and so they're parked around there and they go into the Y or they go into a gym and use that washroom. And then and a lot of these gyms now are 24 hours too. So they can kind of avoid any potential... Um, not necessarily even awkwardness, but like potentially a, a gym catching on to the fact that they're just using it as that. Um, here's here's the other thing too. Nighttime and using them, you can sort of be like, bring your own van. Like B-Y-O-V. there's also the BYOV, <laughs> bring your own van, hmm. and I'm just providing the parking lot and the bathroom. That's all I'm providing. It's a campsite. Man, you've got the the wheels turning in my head here because I have a couple oh, situations that would be. Taylor's got for parking this. lots all over the city, and he's like. How many vans? <laughs> um, and I've got access to these port potties. Uh, anyway, anyways, that was the opening the opening story for today. Huh. Uh, let us know what you think. Let us know if you're listening from a van. I honestly, I don't know if you've ever <laughs> stayed in one. From a van? <laughs> They're oh, really yeah, cool. Man. If you, they man, are really Wi-Fi? really cool. You get Starlink. I literally the Starlink ad I saw uh, a couple days ago. It showed a Mercedes Sprinter, and they're like, you can now get the equipment for Starlink for two fifty nine or whatever. And so they're marketing towards people that are living kind of nomadically in in these vans. So when you go to bigger, more expensive cities, these vans are everywhere. Like it is insane. And I honestly believe part of the reason, like the the Ford Transit market and the Sprinter market right now, are out of this world on top of construction booming across North America, 
is there's a ton of people also buying them to live in them. Hmm. Right. And I think that's what's pushing the prices up. Like I, my sprinters are, I don't have sprinters. I have transits. I bought, I have four transits. I, on average, could probably sell them for, I'd say, 70 to 80% more than I paid. And I bought them four years ago. Hmm. Like, I've almost doubled value. And that's yeah, not that's crazy. contractors that are buying all of them. It's people buying them, financing them out, and literally living in them. Um, you know what's wild, man? A little story from my youth. Um, my dad, like, one night... Horse and buggy? No. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm not that old yet. Um, man, we had this van, and we got it for free. I remember one night, he's like, hey, you got to come with me. We got to go pick up this van. And it was at it had been abandoned at this, like, mechanic shop, and the mechanic there was like, yeah, whatever, you can have it. I don't know. My dad maybe gave him a couple hundred bucks. And so we bought this van, but it had no back seats. It had been being used as, like, a work van. And that became my dad's work van, but also, like, the way we had to get around to school. And so it only had two <laughs> seats in the front, and my sister sat in the front, and I was in the back of the van. Just rolling Bouncing around, around like a lone bean in a tin can, just, like, bucking around <laughs> in the back there and hating the fact that I had to pull up to the school every day, open the door, and roll out of this van. You um, get a disproportionate amount of free vehicles. You also <laughs> yeah. got the Lexus. Man, which began not, a real estate empire. The do not like to pay for vehicles. And now you messaged me recently with some motorcycles. Potentially. Did you look into that? Uh, not yet. Okay. But okay. This, you are... That might be gone no wonder now. you're not interested in buying expensive cars because you're like, why would you pay for them at all? Well, the crazy thing is to finish that story, then we went to uh, a dump and uh, cut seats out of another van and my dad welded them yes. to the floor. And that's how we put four... Um, four seats in that van. I would pass safety inspection. Uh, I don't know how it did, to be totally honest with you. But You went through safety with that? Yeah, we had it for a few years. No so my dad was a, he's a, you know, he welded, he, he worked on cars for a long time. He was in a pit crew for a while even, like, so what? I'm sure whatever he did, he got it to the point of uh, it passed. It with your dad. Can we get your dad on the podcast? Um, <laughs> we don't have enough time. How long is this thing? Three hours? <laughs> we can get through the intro with Jimbo. <laughs> but anyway, that's a, that's a crazy story, man. Um, it, yeah. it does get me thinking because as offside like, as it seems, it's not actually the worst thing in the world. And when you consider that people are renting rooms for over a thousand bucks in shared spaces, part of me is like, I think I'd almost rather my own van, like where they're like eight feet tall on the inside now, where I can close the door and it's just me in that space versus sometimes being in an apartment where I'm just sharing a room and I have all the noise yeah. from all the other people. And like, do you know what I mean? I'm a little harder with the ladies, though. Yes and no, because you can park right outside the club. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I may not be the hottest guy here, but it's a short walk home. <laughs> no Uber. <laughs> Don't worry about your Uber. I you got can drive you. Her home in the morning. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. That's so good. Jayla's getting oh, a van. Oh man. So, anyways, moving that's on. That's a down to earth girl right there. <laughs> I can see past the van. <laughs> Hey, we all start somewhere, man. I, I'm just going to keep moving my arm around as my shirt continues to just rip apart. Yeah. Um, but I want to move into something a little more relevant and helpful for you guys. Um, the first thing being, and I think we all kind of figured this was coming with rates rising, is delinquency on debt. <laughs> <You're still laughs> drive, drive you home in the morning is amazing. Okay, yeah, delinquency <laughs> on debt. All right. Delinquency on debt. So everyone's like, okay, we're going to see a bunch of foreclosures, this, that, and the other thing. And oddly enough, for Q3 2022, 
again, delinquencies on like homes, foreclosures, went down again. Interesting. Now, on the flip side, though, credit cards and cars right. jumped almost 30%. Well, yeah. Which is, again, to be expected. But realistically, the rates are still lower than they have been in the last couple of years. 2019, 2020, um, they're not at a historical highs, but they're starting to, to move upwards. Um, the more interesting thing that I think we're seeing is what's called bank losses. And what a bank loss is, is effectively a bank taking a piece of debt and saying, we can no longer reclaim on this debt, so we're writing it off as a loss. And that loss then can be sold to another right. uh, credit company that can go after, can go and try and reclaim that money. But it basically, it means the debt still lives on. It's not, it's not bankrupt. It's not foreclosed on. The debt lives on, but it's maybe not necessarily on the bank's hands. That has started to spike for the first time in a few years. So their foreclosure rates have gone down, but their mm-hmm. losses have gone up by about 17%. Uh, and it's 70%, 17% in the last quarter, and it's 70% higher than it was last year. Do you think they're trying to, to kind of preemptively look at their worst files and say, okay. We want to start shutting these down now. Yeah, the, the, these, aren't, these aren't in foreclosure now. Um, maybe they're not even delinquent now, but for you know whatever reason, if we can see the back end of someone's profile. <laughs> <laughs> the Hulkster over here just ripped his shirt uh, clean off almost. Um <laughs> They can look at these profiles and say, look, these people are, are going to be in bad way. Let's get those off our books to some third-party um, collection agency, effectively. I mean, these are other institutions, but uh, they have a, a bigger uh, collection arm than maybe your your big lenders. I huh, think, that's, I think them, th- that's an ominous indicator on their part that they're, they're feeling like this stuff could be coming down the pipeline and getting away from it. Well, I think that's what it is. And it's also, I think, a mixed bag of potentially reselling the debt instead of foreclosing is they're reselling it to another institution that might re-amortize it and try and find a way for those people yep. to keep their homes versus if they foreclose on it, I wouldn't say nine times out of 10, but maybe 60, 70% of the time, if someone's being foreclosed on, they last second try to sell their home. It floods the market with a bunch of homes that are way below value. And they're just, I owe 200, I'll put it on there for 225, pays the realtor, sells the home, get the, the debt paid off. Uh, when realistically the home is probably worth three ten or three twenty, but it takes it'll take two months to sell it like that, um, and so I think maybe in an effort to try and protect the larger housing market and the larger debt market, they're trying to do this, um, and also potentially, I mean, they'll probably say we're trying to protect our clients, which I guess they are in some sense. Maybe not. Uh, they're trying the one, to protect their shareholders, but they're trying to protect their shareholders yeah. and their own their own interests, um, and so I think that's what they might be doing, but. It's, it's an interesting way because, again, everyone's looking for foreclosures because that's what we've traditionally seen. And in this case, it's now it's losses again, right? So it's the same concept, but instead of them taking your home, they're selling your their issue to somebody else, and now somebody else is going to step in. Probably a more aggressive company will step in. And, again, I think they're going to basically re-amortize people, so they're going to stretch yeah. the loan back out at a higher rate and, and slowly figure out a way to get you to repay it and hopefully or get you through a couple of years to then force you into selling at that point. Well, and it, but why do you necessarily say a higher rate? Because I'm going to just push back on that, just hypothetically. Yeah. Like some of these rates right now, which are peaking out variable, you know, quite high. Yeah. Um, in some cases, they might be like 5.6 right now is a really common variable product that we have in, in Canada. A lot of people would be around there. Yeah. Um, you can go out, and there are five-year fixed options right now at around 499. Yep. Right. Can you imagine a scenario whereby, like, the lender, the primary lender, flips this, 
product to an alternative lender yep. who then can go back to the owner and say, listen, you're at five, six right now in your variable. Yeah. I'm going to re-amortize you and stretch you out another little bit, maybe even be able to extend you five more years. Yep. That brings your payment down. Additionally, I'm going to look like a superhero here because I'm going to lock you in at 5.25. And I'm going to be your hero. And you're going to be, you're going to be so quick. Those people are going to look at that. Two years ago, if you were a lender that could lend someone something for five years at 5.25%, you would be through the moon yep. thrilled. Yep. right? So they could be looking at this as a way of um, looking like the hero, but getting clients that they never would have gotten otherwise at a rate that over the course of five years could be really work out in their favor. I totally agree. I think I do think that those companies, though, like they are more risk-based companies that are assuming debt that's already having issues. Right. On average, they just have to charge a slightly higher rate to cover their potential loss ratios or their right. potential, I guess, foreclosure ratios. Um, so it might not even be that they're trying to make more, but just the cost of doing business in their line of work where you're taking over bad debt to begin right. with. Yeah, yeah. You the, just charge a little bit more to, to cover it. So it's right, Car- charge a percent, amortize for another five years. You're basically getting interest-only payments. And their delinquency yeah. rate is probably, mm. instead of it being 2% like the regular banks, their delinquency rate might be 4%. Right. And so they have to basically just charge for that. Yeah. Um, but what do you think, think that means for... Exactly. I yeah. think what that means for the market, though, again, crazy as it is, I think this is an indicator for me that, again, maybe the next year might be kind of tough, but I think with them doing less foreclosures, it means less homes coming to market, and it continues to mm. push on that inventory crunch that we're seeing. Again, pointing things towards like a 2024, 2025 exit from this where things continue to grow again. It's like, also... Yeah. I think it's a positive thing for the market, even though I guess seeing losses go up, uh, is bad. I think I think it shows that potentially a lot of people who aren't necessarily in a position to afford a home or aren't even in a position to afford that home anymore due to the situation going on, not necessarily any fault of their own. Um, it's going to it's going to shift those products around and shift those people from those ho- houses. Um, but ultimately, it's not going to create any more inventory. No, it's not on either end. Um, yeah. And so I think ultimately it's going to get pushed towards a strong housing market in about a year or two to come. It could also kind of, um, you know, if, if primary lenders are able to get some of this riskier money off their books, well, they're still going to want to lend that money out, right? So it's like, okay, now this $300,000 is not out there lent with that person. We've got that $300,000 back, but shit, like we want to loan that money to someone. So, you know, now they're going to go out and they're going to look for good borrowers. And this is the thing with these times, man, that the strong will survive and the weak will get battered. Um, but if you're in a good position, you could come up a lender or two is looking to borrow again aggressively in the yeah. not-too-distant future. I agree with that a lot. Whereas, like, exactly before, let's say you look back and they're foreclosing on a home where they owe 300 on it, and now they're having banks don't care. They're immediately listing it up. And so now all the banks are listing all these properties that they foreclosed on, and now they're worth 200 simply yeah. because of all the inventory and they're taking a huge loss on it, whereas they might be able to sell this debt for the same money that they're into it for, potentially a profit, potentially a small loss, but overall it's a lot more neutral than taking a foreclosure hit, um, which, again, would give the banks more strength, help them profit. And for me, this makes me feel that potentially it's worth looking at investing uh, in banks. I still think waiting a little bit longer, but I think investing within banks is a good, good, strong way to keep moving. It also gives an opportunity for a lot of private banks to be buying this uh, these losses to to also make a bunch of money potentially. Well, I think, and some of these private lenders or these smaller alternative lenders are going to be hungry for business too, mm-hmm. because, um, you know, the way the, most of these private lending operations are set up is that it is 
for lack of a better time, like really simplistically, it is individual investors who send their money together as a pool through this channel that then lends out that pooled money. Yep. In, you know, risky times, the influx, like the input of money is going to decrease. There's going to be less investors being like, yeah, I want to pool my money and lend it out to people uh, at a risky time in the economy. So there's going to be less people putting money in. And part of the reason is all the people who have borrowed the money may not be able to quickly refinance and pay that money back. So the time it takes for those investors to get the return on their investment is going to be longer and longer and longer. So there's going to be a lot of private institutions that may slow down a little bit because there's less people investing and, you know, less people looking for their products or the people looking for their products will have a longer time being able to pay them back and get out of their products. So these alternative lenders may be looking at things like, well, instead of going out there to the market and trying to find investors and trying to find um, lenders, what if we have someone that's already got an existing loan out there and just absorb that into our portfolio? 100%. Yeah. It's it's an opportune time. And again, I think this is actually a good thing. I mean, it's not a good thing that people are losing their homes or having to go to these alternative systems, but I think it's it keeps some strength in the market. And so again, I just as I think to boil it down, mm-hmm. I think there's more opportunities to come over the next year because there'll still be people who don't want to necessarily take a new option for payment and they're going to want to sell their home. Um, and then also you're going to have, I think, strength coming in the 2024, 2025 time range. Speaking of which, I saw something, and, and you posted, I saw it, a few people that posted something like 60,000 canceled transactions as buyers basically walk away from deals saying that we're going to wait until things rebound or, or what have you. All I can say is locally, I've sort of found the market has a little bit of busyness to it again these last couple of weeks. And the worst of the doom and gloom and fearful, like, oh my gosh, this is crazy, has subsided a little bit. That's not to say buyers are back full bore. That's not to say that it's it's the seller's market that we once had. Is it just fatigue, do you think? Because, and and I mean, the 60K and canceled transactions, I personally haven't seen that here. Like, I haven't seen buyers being like, for no reason other than sheer economics, I'm backing out of this deal. I don't care about my deposit. I'm going to roll the dice here. I haven't seen that yes. in our local market. Now, that could one. be different. Uh, actually, I think it said two, but um, I think the two things, so... First off, I posted a story, and I think it might have been Better Dwelling who posted it, uh, stating, or maybe, no, I think it was CBC. I, I get them all mixed up because there's so many of them. But I posted a story saying that 60,000 transactions have been canceled. And so that means... I thought it was Bloomberg, to be honest, but we're not here to Bloomberg, there. Yeah. yeah. Which means somebody had gone out and looked at a home, made an offer on it, gotten accepted, and began the process of buying it. And then somewhere along the line, whether they didn't get approved, inspection items came back, or they just got cold feet, they terminated the contract. Um, and now I don't know what the standard number is because that still happens at a certain pace. I'm sure, in my opinion, maybe on average it's 30,000 versus 60,000. Um, and in normal markets, like the last two years, it's probably been very Ooh, low. No one canceled anything. They were yeah, begging. They were desperate to they just, were just hopefully firm up. Because they just got a deal versus like they had lost 10. <clears throat> um, and so I think though in like years of like 2016, 2017, the numbers would have been probably not as high as necessarily that last quarter, but it probably would have been a lot more comparable. Um, but I don't have those numbers, unfortunately. But basically, I think it's an indication of sentiment in a lot of ways, more so than actual economics. Um, the one thing I do think probably boosts that a fair bit, and you see it in the other provinces, is new construction contracts being canceled. Yeah. And that's simply because yep. people bought in the spring, their home was built throughout the year, and they are no longer approved based on their, their spring approval at 2%. 
no longer applies at five and a half percent, right? Or it's been ten months and they've got divorced and they no longer, you know, sometimes people separate yeah. when they're buying a property, but one of them says like, I can still swing it, or you know, I can still get approved on my own anyway, or it's gone up so much in value, I'm going to close on it and resell it. Well, maybe that's not the case. And exactly, so You're, there's a lot of reasons that they would have would have canceled in that time. Um, I'm seeing it a little bit here where. And I think it's more normal is we have buyers come and I was getting kind of used to the idea that if a buyer came and made an offer, they almost always went through with the transaction. Yeah. And now I'm finding yeah. that they're very um, kind of wishy-washy, kind of flaky. If everything doesn't line up perfectly, they'll walk. Uh, I had one recently. They made an offer. We tried to go back and forth. My seller was very reasonable. And then just for no reason, they walked. And then I called somebody today and I was like, hey, why'd that deal terminate? And he's like, I don't know. They didn't really have any reason. They just kind of got wishy-washy and they sent me yeah. a, a termination. And so I think it's kind of happening across the markets. Uh, and I think it's just people don't feel great about it. Before, it was like, okay, I'm in a 350, but I'm sure within two months, it's going to be worth 375. And now they're like, oh, I'm in a 350 and I just saw the neighbor's firm up at 340. And you're like, wait a second. Even though it's not yeah. necessarily, it might be a lesser home. But they're just like, oh, like there's cheaper options in this area. Yeah, and yeah. So then they kind of lose that idea, and it's like, oh, like you open the news, and it's all negative. You open Master Keys podcast, it's all negative. <laughs> and so they're starting to question, I think, if the purchase makes sense. And then once that confidence is lost, any little thing, like the inspector's like, this uh, this one outlet in the basement in the back left corner of the utility room doesn't work, and they're like. Yeah, this house is totaled. I think we have to rewire the whole thing, which is like forty to ninety thousand dollars. Yeah, we're getting burn the house down back into the buyer double discounting, where it's like, all right, well, here's what the home's worth, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, but it's it's a little bit old, it's a little bit rough, the market's a little slow, so it's discounted by five percent. And then you look at the home and you say, oh, well, the market's a little slow and it needs work, so another I want another five percent off. Yeah. Like, no, no, that's already built into the initial price. Yeah. Right. And and that's the double discounting with buyers only do in situations where they perceive that they have leverage. Um, so you're seeing that. And then the buyers are feeling like they have options, rightfully so. And if they can't get that double discount, they will just walk. And this is interesting because some of the things we're going to talk about today. Uh, well, the main thing we're going to talk about today is double discounting. It's just trying to double discount and, and what you can do here as as a buyer. Um, but it makes it from a realtor perspective. You know, your, 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 your close ratio is a little bit lower. Um, I mean, I had clients um, successfully purchase a property. Um, I mean, we firmed up on it two weeks ago, and this was in a, in a marquee location. I think we got it, let's see, we offered 65000 under asking price, if I recall correctly. Uh, we ended up getting it for like $62,000 under asking price, yep. which ended up being... Thirty some thousand dollars below the appraised value. That's crazy, right? So, um, how much was the actual ask on the home? I think it was like four and a quarter, and we ended up getting it for like three fifty five. So you're taking something like that. fifteen percent off the home. Yeah. So, and I mean, that was a really unique instance, but it was a case of like, well, gosh, you know, the home is priced reflective of what it is, albeit you know it's a little overpriced. And then we got a reduction on it, and then we went through the inspection, we got another reduction on it, mm -hmm. and but that is the rarity. Um, yeah. you know, and I'm struggling with another one right now where it's like, man, we've already done a deep discount on the asking price. And the asking price was literally, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars less or more than other properties had sold, um, in the neighborhood. So I already felt good about the value. We get a discount on the price and now we're on inspection looking for a, you know, a not another insignificant, discount. um, discount. So it, it, 
in, in a normal balance market, and this is anecdotally for me personally, but you know, doing a hundred plus transactions a year, I would say that usually your deal failure rate is maybe one in six. Yeah. Right. That's what a balanced market is. And I think we're starting to see that again, where it's like, yeah, one in six deals gets terminated. Yeah. I think even potentially a little bit higher. I, I think. Well, I'm a closer, Neil. So <sighs> my ratio maybe skews the data a bit. Okay. So for <laughs> <Huh>. a normal <laughs> agent, I think the ratios might be a little bit higher. In a balanced market, yeah. Um, in a balanced market. And I think this market, it's even a little higher because I think we're in this swing right now. I think you overshoot. Like I don't think you just go from totally. That's a right. Seller's market yep. to a buyer's market, and it's just perfect. I think it goes like way too far one way, and I think we're too far one way right now, where everyone's kind of on the fence. Um, but to what you said originally, I think we are seeing a bit of activity pick up again. I'm seeing offers go, uh, and I think this is the last little hurrah for this year. And then in about a week and a half, people are gonna be like, "Oh shit, I didn't buy any Christmas gifts," and Amazon says Prime is two weeks now. And it's going to be pandemonium. Also, we're going to get another rate uh, hike on December 7th. So this episode comes out on uh, December 5th, I believe. Yep. Um, so two days after this, there's going to be another Bank of Canada rate increase, which can be really interesting because the market has it. It's kind of 50-50. could be 25 points. It could be 50 points. Do you got a prediction for us? Just Yeah, I'm saying 25. You're saying 25? Yeah, Look I'm at me in the Christmas spirit. I'm feeling good. Um, that'll be... a a really strong indicator that from a rate perspective, from a monetary policy perspective, we're, we're going to level off for a little while because we're going to do in our next episode, we're going to cover, you know, the question of, this is the question I get a lot, you know, are we at the bottom, right? Like, is this, like, when when will we know that we're at the quote-unquote bottom? Yeah. And I think that's something we can delve into maybe in our, our next episode because I think that's a, a loaded question. Uh, but sure. I'd love to love to get into that um but from a monetary policy i think we're reaching in that case the peak of of rates coming here soon and i think it's noteworthy that the five-year fix which again is not tied to the bank rate but is tied to the bond yield uh has been coming down it's been creeping down creeping down it's actually the same or better than it was in may yeah no it's been creeping down and it is yeah i think it is better than it was in may um so yeah it's doing good overall but again we'll talk about that next time um before we get into our topic of what you should be doing as a buyer right now, what we're coaching our buyers to do. Um, Hey guys, thanks for listening up until this point. Like, comment, subscribe. We're about to go over a few rapid fire questions that we want to ask guests. So we want to get some feedback from you guys, but they're really fun. And Chandler has a very interesting answer that I love. After that, we're going to talk about what we think you guys need to be doing in today's market, how it's going to benefit you and how you can really get ahead. So listen up. I want to ask you the three rapid-fire questions that I have. They're not super rapid, but I want to hit you with these three. Yeah. And we want to start asking our guests. So can you guys give us a little bit of feedback and let us know what you think? Um, number one, what is your biggest business slash financial conspiracy? Okay. Um, my biggest conspiracy right now that I'm all in on is that effectively uh, there are forces at work right now that are perpetuating this economic uh, pinch and perpetuating this inflation. I'm not saying they were the original cause for it. I'm not saying it's that degree, but unequivocally, I think there are interested parties who are um, profiteering off of this situation, not just um, for the short-term gain of higher profits, but for a long-term redistribution of wealth. And um, do you think this is individuals, corporations, or governments? Uh, corporations and governments, because I think in in lockstep with this is a push towards bigger government um, because what I see out there is 
you know, during recessions, all your mom and pop, all your individual small business owners suffered greatly and raced to the bottom, mass consumerism, um, you know, big change, big, big box stores. They survive because they can undercut everyone and they can eat the losses or, or sustain longer. So you're getting that redistribution of wealth and things going towards big corporate models. And then you have a lot of people who are feeling understandably marginalized and the politicians throw out this idea like, oh, well, we'll tax these corporations, but they don't actually. They tax the mid-range corporations, which is those same mom and pops that are barely struggling, hanging on as it is, and they promise all of these extra reforms. If only, in exchange for that, we give them more tax dollars and more government, uh, and that's what I think the big conspiracy is right now. Okay. I agree with you, so I'm not going to say my own, because okay. it's pretty much very much the same. Huh. Um, Look at us. And... I do think there's some individuals that have a crazy amount of power that influence that as well. But oh, totally. As totally, a whole, yeah. as a whole, I, I agree that it's it's the top end making the decisions. Um, the next question we can both definitely answer: What is your kind of wasteful, crazy, insane purchase oh, yeah. that you have been like always going after? Like, what are you like? This is the one thing. If I had infinite money, I would buy. Or this is the one thing that I'm going to be able to achieve and buy. And this is something that we, to be clear, the parameters here. This is a, a slightly wasteful item, but this is something that we're legitimately targeting. This isn't yes. like, I want to buy an astronaut. Or a, an astronaut? <laughs> buy an astronaut? You, you buy, like buy a, an astronaut, but probably you could maybe buy an a- asteroid. Um, yeah, well, you should start with this, because this is you to a T. Okay, I think I'm I'm going after private jet. and Private jet slash yacht. Um, slash yacht? Is this going to be an, like a, an amphibious plane slash yacht? <laughs> okay, no, no, I don't mean this. Okay, all right. No, no, but like in that wheelhouse um, would be like a, a yacht and private jet. So Neil is getting his pilot's license as we speak. I am working on my pilot's license right now. I don't necessarily want to have to fly the private jet. So when you say private jet, you want to own it or you want to have like these time-shared situations where you have access to a private jet, but it's, you know. I I think I'd like to own it, um, but the more I learn about yachts and private jets, it makes the most sense to have the time-shared setups because realistically you're not in them all the time and there's a bunch of people that are in similar positions that want to use them when you don't need to use them everyone look out there and find the brian burke quote remember brian burke you know he was the gm of the maple Leafs. if it flies floats or rent it don't buy it that's what he always said flies great floats or ducks yeah okay. yeah that's right rent it don't buy great freaking quote um so what, what, what's a private jet cost you uh, this is the thing. So you can buy a small one for like a million bucks. You buy the big ones for like a hundred million dollars. So I would assume probably in the middle of 40, 40 to fifty million dollars. That's and no cheaper. Same, same for the boat. Now I don't want to answer mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't think like that. I don't care for those things as much as you do. I will say, Neil and I went to a really nice uh, gala. Yes, we did. The other day. Shout out Regroup. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, Liz at Regroup. Uh, and shout out to our friends that were at the table. Um, and we're, how did we get there? We drove in your G-Wagon. Oh, G-Wagon. Yeah, yeah. And you and I have driven around in the G-Wagon before. Um, but this was like out at night. And we were dressed up. We were looking pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We were looking fresh. Even the windows are tinted black. But go ahead. Um, <laughs> and it was like a busy night downtown Halifax. I I didn't even I didn't tell you this. The next morning I woke up and I a little bit wanted a G Wagon. Oh my god. Because yes. legitimately Yes. Legitimately oh, what is up? People look at you in this vehicle and I thought I assumed that they looked at you like a pretentious douchebag, but no, the adoration was surprising. 
People love that thing. Remember when we came out? They there's do. People taking pictures. They do. We caused a, a woman to accidentally back into a Porsche <laughs> because, you know. It's a G-Wagon. We just rolled up in the G-Wagon and said, hey, are you, you leaving your spot? And she's like, absolutely. Absolutely, G-Wagon, sir. It would be my pleasure to leave. <laughs> Not to that extent, but, you know, she happily... And, and Neil just aggressively pulls over um, so to make sure no one else could have the spot, which left this poor woman very little room to actually pull out of the parking spot. And so she backed into a Porsche. And had no complaints. Gave us all happy ways. And she was like, entirely my fault. I, and she just cruised off and we just parked right in there. And then um, literally we come out of this event and someone, a group of people, are taking pictures with the vehicle and then complimenting Neil on it. And then we roll back, and this was a very short drive. Yeah. And I saw this dude, this was outside of Dirty Nellie's, and we're cruising by. And I see him get his cell phone out, and he's about to press record, and then awkwardly I lock eyes with him, and he's like, oh, this is weird. And he has to, like, slowly put his phone back down, and we both just felt a really intimate connection, to be honest. But um, I, I, I did get it for a second. I'm like, oh, this is... G-Wagon life. Yeah. So you went for yacht. I went for literally the car that you currently drive. Because um, I was like, man, I could actually be like, man, I, I kind of like this thing. I, I got to preface this now. We've gone down this path and you guys are like, why are we listening to this? But I'm not an obsessive douche with all this stuff. I just <laughs> have always, I always admired them when I saw them drive around. I always thought cars are super cool. I always think yeah, these things yeah, are neat. Yeah. And so for me, I've always wanted them and I like sharing them with, with my friends and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm just grinding your gears no, too. But I like, know. I was like, man, one, it is a nice vehicle. I'm not saying it's not. Yeah. Two, damn man, like give the people what they want. Like they <laughs> like seeing people drive around in these, I guess. It's just fun. It's just fun. But, but the next morning, I'm like, man, I'm going to text Neil and be like, I think I might want a G-Wagon. <laughs> Why didn't you? I would have been so happy. I know. I couldn't let day. you have it. I couldn't <laughs> let you have it. I will not turn my back on the RAV4. What? So what are you buying? G-Wagon? I was going to say G-Wagon, but okay. now you said yacht or, or private jet. All right, jet. he's buying G-Wagon. No, we're going we're gonna to go with that. We're buying a G-Wagon. Okay. There's some crazy ones. So if you want to spend a few million bucks, they make them. <laughs> um, last question. Yeah. What motivates you? I want your political answer, and I want the real answer. Uh, ooh, okay, so what motivates me... Um, my my political answer is that I genuinely love this city, even if there are great opportunities outside of Halifax, Dartmouth. I can't bring myself to go there because I just love this city. Yeah, this is someone. Oh, I got to turn this off. Sorry. I, I genuinely love this city, and I love the idea of building these places for people and improving our city and being a part of that. And that staying, you know, from a legacy perspective making a genuine mark on this city. Like, I yeah. love that, and that motivates me highly, and that would be my more political answer. I guess the personal answer would be... I want to do um, I want to <laughs> <laughs> um, You know, I'm competitive by nature, and yeah. real estate is a competitive industry, so I'm drawn to that element of it, even though it's collaborative, it's, it's cooperative, it's community-based, it's also um, competitive. Um, I like the status, money, and accomplish, sense of accomplishment that comes with real estate. Yeah. So that motivates me heavily. Um, I'd be lying if I said I didn't take great pride in, you know, even this year hitting 100 doors. Like, that was always a goal. Yeah. And let's be honest, people look at you a little different when you're like, yeah, I've got 100 units. And people are like, whoa. You know, like, and, and yeah, it's a you know, that's maybe that's my deep insecurity of someone who, you know, um, 
didn't always like have money or anything like that. Like it's it's nice to have that. So those would be my answer for motivation. What about you? Okay. I don't have a political answer. I don't filter myself. Um, <laughs> as everyone knows, I'd probably say a little too much. Um, I think my, my real answer is kind of similar to what I said with the cars. The second I was kind of exposed to the things that are available in this world, and I don't mean necessarily items, I mean experiences, the places that there are to see, um, all the different stuff that you can do and own, um, I had this weird obsession with the fact that if someone else can have it, I should be able to have it. Yeah. And I've realized great basically mindset. the number one barrier, obviously you need to be able to know people and sometimes you need political connections and this and that. But I was like, what's the one common thing that can allow you to get all of those things? And that was money. Yeah. And so I was driven to make money because I was like, I want to have fun cars. I want to go to cool places. I want to go to these cool places and do neat stuff. And it always kind of made me sad that I'd go to a certain place and I couldn't even do like some of the experiences that I'm like, man, I would love that experience, but I plain and simple couldn't go and afford it. And so it, it kind of motivated me to do it. Um, and yeah, I mean, on top of that, like I'm also competitive and, and it making money and running businesses, it's a sport. And, and so I like competing in, in that world. Um, and same thing with making a mark. Like obviously I think a lot of us want to make a mark uh, on the city or on the world or whatever we do. Um, and I mean, I'm not necessarily saying real estate's the way to do that for me. I think it's a way to get started. Um, but that's kind of the objective for me and why I want to start businesses. I want to grow my wealth and, and, and do that just to have the freedom to kind of do whatever I want, make that mark, and then also compete uh, <coughs> at something that I feel like I'm good at because I'm yeah. definitely not good at sports. So that's, I'm making up for it here. You bust know that shirt though, bro. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think that's a, that's, I think a lot of people will be able to relate to those answers if you're into real estate. Exactly. If, if you guys think these questions are good, let us know. I said rapid fire. They're definitely not rapid fire style questions, but I think they're kind of fun because we were asking people what success meant to them. And I think it was the same answer every time. So we needed to change it up. Uh, so we decided these are a couple good questions for people to have. Yeah. And if you have a funny question that you want to ask me or Neil, fire it down below. There's always like, comment, scrub, all that good stuff. Let's get into the topic. Yeah. Why we're here and what we want to help people with. Yeah. Markets so changed. What do you need to be doing as a buyer? Now, we're going to go over one here. We have a top three, and we dive into them on our Patreon. We're going to dive into one of them right now. And if you, can, if you guys want more of it, check out the Patreon. We have two more that we get into the specifics, the nitty-gritties, what we do with our clients. But what's the one thing we want to talk about today? What are you telling your clients to do? Well, You've alluded to it. Yeah, and we went into this more specific for investors on the Patreon, like ways to take advantage of this little bit of buyer's leverage that we have and still be aggressive in these somewhat uncertain times. Yeah. But the one that applies to every buyer um, is effectively, well, the one thing I would say is stay active because there's a lot of buyers out there that I know unequivocally are missing out. Yeah, I don't mean going to the gym. I mean, they're missing out on opportunities because they have already mailed in this year and already have adopted this mindset of I'll do it after the holidays, I'll do it in the new year, I'll do it when the market, whatever this mindset is. They've already adopted that. And I know, because I can point to examples of people like single family homes that they weren't active on, they didn't have that same get up and go that they had in the spring market and they missed out on real opportunities. I'm talking like, tens of thousands of dollars of instant equity, yep. saying nothing for the fact that these are people who wanted to live in a house and this house would have been a great fit for them and all these things. They missed out on that purely because they went dormant. 
they were inactive. So the one thing I would start with for everyone is still be active, still be out there shaking the trees. Do not, you know, fall into this mass mentality out there right now, which is just like, you know, oh, just take a step back and, and, you know, get lazy with the holidays and ride this out. Like, I'm not saying um, you shouldn't be mindful of these things, but you should still stay engaged because there could be a great opportunity right now. Never let off the gas. Never let off the gas. You're either growing or you're shrinking. So that's the, that's the first thing is the mindset shift. And then there's the actual, like, how do you approach deals? Yeah, so that, that's a good thing. I think that's something that just in general, we've talked about it last year's rack, uh, wrap up. I discussed that, like the second you let off the gas, you are shrinking, your business is slowing. Um, but the thing we want to talk about, what we think everyone needs to be doing is negotiating. We alluded to yep. it earlier but you can now negotiate on deals. And there's a bunch of different things that means. It means you can get all the time you need to com- complete your conditions. There's no more pressure necessarily. There still is, but it's not necessarily five days. You might be able to get 10 days. And if you get to the end of that and need more time, you can likely ask for it. You can likely push for the closing that you want versus what the seller wants. Um, you can ask about potential uh, holdbacks. You can go in and do uh, reductions on price from the get-go and then yeah. potentially do another reduction on price after the fact and you do an inspection or you find another item. N- now is the time to negotiate. It goes back to this market and this is where you really start to shine and it, this is so important because you don't just shine now because all oh, the whole market's running up so whatever I buy is going to run up. You're going to shine because you need to make money on the buy and so being Thank able you. to get that price down there it is. is what matters. You just kind of stole my thunder. I'm like, man, when we talked about all this stuff, and we talked about it when we're investing price per door and refinances, we've talked about it on the Burr model, which I know some people are fans of all of these things. We said the same thing over and again, you make money on the buy. So the very first thing starts with the price. And realize right off the hop, the asking price is going to be better than it was before. They're Either only because asking too. They're not telling. <laughs> they were telling they last were telling. year. They were telling that they were going to get offers above this. Now they're asking, would you consider this offer? But Right away, the pr- the ask prices are better. Either they're lower bef- than they were before, or they may be higher, but it's not going to go over. So right off the hop, you're doing better on the price. Then you may be in a situation to negotiate that price. So talking at the beginning of you make money on the buy, right from stage one, you could be in a, a better position right now. And then to Neil's point, your conditions can be better. You might actually get to do a home inspection, for which for a while there you could not do, yeah. let alone come back after the home inspection and try to rework some things. But I'm going to give you some other really specific examples. Um, typically on closing, you have adjustments for things like property tax, reimbursing the seller for the portion they've already paid in advance on property tax, a full tank of oil, which right now, what's a full tank of oil? 16 1700 no. bucks? Higher. Really? Yeah, 1800 all day. I actually lost the bid at like 800 bucks. I should have bought one like, of those. You know, depending on where it is and what the price is today, like eighteen hundred bucks for a tank of oil uh, is is not unreasonable. Or things like, um, so first of all, right right there, take those two items. Maybe on adjust on closing, you could say, listen, I'm not paying any property tax adjustment or any oil adjustment. You're gonna fill a full tank of oil and you're gonna just eat the property tax. You can do those. Like you can't necessarily get cash back on most residential deals, but you can negotiate things like adjustments. And if you have a seller who's like, "Well, damn, man, like there's already, you know, three quarters of a tank of oil there anyway," I wasn't even really thinking about the oil because you'd be surprised. Most sellers don't even think about the fact that they might have a thousand dollars worth of oil sitting in their tank. You could get them to just throw in a full tank of oil. That's eighteen hundred bucks that you just made. Same with the property tax. Maybe it's a fifteen hundred dollar property tax adjustment on closing. If you can get that them to take care of that, again, in a lot of cases, those are costs that the sellers have already expended 
in a lot of cases, they're not expecting to even get that back. They only yeah. find out from their lawyer or their agent, like, and by the way, you're going to get money for the oil. And, and they're like, that's crazy. You may be able to get those little savings, which then mean less cash that you're coming up with on closing. But also, with tenant situations... Yep. or vacancies or getting vacant possession or even things like People if you're buying work a, with you now. If you're buying a condo you. and saying, listen, I want a year worth of condo fees paid in advance, like you have these little avenues. The other thing I'm seeing again on the residential side, and I just dealt with one today, is for the last two years when you came to closing day, you'd get there and you're like, there's a hole in the wall. And the seller would be like, so what? I kicked it on the way out the door. And <laughs> you're like, well, can you fix it? And they're like, we'll take the house back. We'll sell it for 50 grand more. You can yeah, keep the yeah, whole. Yeah, no, yeah. We had one today. <laughs> the agent might be listening to this. Um, but there was a missing door slab. And door slabs are 80 to 100 bucks. Now they're 120, She's to gone? be honest. They took the door slab. But I, I honestly don't know why. Okay. Don't ask. <sighs> Anyways. It's my door. The offer is 150 bucks. Which, again, last year, they would have been like, oh, we don't really care. Like, you can go yeah. buy yourself a door slab. Yeah. We went back and we're like, no, we need more money. And so we ended up going back for 300 bucks, which is still not out of this world, but we were able to do that. And the seller bid into it and did it because we're like, well, we're not going to close or we're going to have to pay a company to come in and fix this. Yeah. And if you don't like it too bad and they don't want to go back to market because they didn't have any other offers and they don't necessarily know that they're going to sell overnight. And so is it worth killing the deal over that much money? Um, but as a buyer, like there's no reason for you to have to spend that extra money. Like you're now paying for the move, the property, all these things. And so again, you can remind yourself and be like, we are the strong party. We hold the bag. Yeah. We can help make the decisions and we both need to be treated fairly. And so sellers now are going to start going back and like, okay, we need to work with our buyer. We'll make the changes. We'll make sure this is actually clean on closing. So many homes in the last two years I've gotten there on closing and they're a mess. Yeah. They're just like, they're, they're okay. Like they're, they're swept clean, but they must have swept it with just the stick of the broom, not the actual broom sort of side of it. Yeah. And it's like, you missed 90% of the crap in here and like, yeah, well, whatever. Like, yeah. And a lot of the times too, like, now you can be like, I want $300 to get a professional cleaner to come clean this empty house now because I'm not moving into a shithole and I'm yep. not going to spend my first whole day moving in cleaning stuff. And the seller's going to be like, shit, like you're not going to close? And you're like, no, I'm not going to close. Here's here's another one. Um, longer closings. You know, I was involved in a negotiation yep. recently where we're like, you know what? We don't want to pay any of the heating costs. Right? This is going to be a rental anyway. Let's yep. push the closing out. Push yep. it out until, you know, March 15th. Yeah, because then we maybe have like two, maybe one more really bad winter billing say, month. Did you buy it in Florida? It's gonna be cold as shit in Halifax, March fifteenth. Yeah, I know, <laughs> but I mean, like you have one more I extra know, month, where and then it starts to warm up, and you know you may have enough leverage to get that situation done. Uh, also, with tenancy, you might be able to put some of the onus on the seller to say vacate units. We talked about that. If you're an investor and you're trying to vacate units, it's very difficult. And most times the seller was just like, well, that's on you after closing. This might be a situation where you say, listen, I'll give you this, um, but you have to get two of the units vacant. And however they do that is ultimately up to them. I'm just saying at this point in time, we have this leverage. And I find like a lot of the ones, examples you were citing there are specific number stuff. I want you know $300 for a door or I want to squeeze this money. That's great, and I think there's an opportunity to do that. However, I tell people, sellers often get stuck on the number value. Yeah. And if you give them a number they can live with, you can sometimes chip away at the edges on the other stuff. Okay, yeah. we're going to give you the number, but no property tax adjustment, no oil adjustment. And they yeah. don't realize that that's 3000 bucks. They still got their number, 
but you're it's saving three thousand bucks. Yeah, money they've already spent. spent. So you're saving three thousand bucks. But even better, you're saving three thousand bucks out of pocket. Or they get their number, but it's going to be a longer closing date. And for you, again, that's money you're saving because you know you don't have to worry about heating it during these these cold times or at a tough time of year in the winter. And you may even be trying to time like a better interest rate and all these things. These little negotiations around the fringes you can do in addition to getting a, a better price potentially. 100%. Um, again, I, as a whole, I was just giving a small examples I had just faced recently. But again, as a whole, I think the buyers, you have all the room again to negotiate, bring up unique situations, extend timelines. I have a bunch of sellers that will, like before, I would never get extensions done. It's a lot more paperwork I find right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but nice. I would never get extensions done. And right now, they're all kind of willing to work with me. Yeah. Um, but on the flip side, I will also say, I feel like it's been a little tougher on the banking side to get people across. We were, I, before, I felt like I was getting auto approvals. Now it's like, okay, we want to get a street appraisal done. Um, yeah. They are struggling to get this last little bit, like we're doing with one today, uh, where the debt service is a little bit tight. It's on a multi-unit. The debt service is tight between their income and the actual building itself. Um, and so we're really trying to finagle it to get it across the line. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there is definitely some difficulty that you will face as a buyer right now. But again, we've talked about it. If you can get through that difficulty and you can get to the next two years, it's it's greener pastures on the other side. And so you know if you can make it work now, it's going to work great in the future. Yeah. Um, so again, I, I think that's we just want to talk about that is like this is something that I think everyone needs to change their mindset. If you're a buyer, start to take like pride in that. Don't be like, oh, here we go. This is insanity. I'm exhausted. I shouldn't like I'm getting beat up. I think you need to be thinking like, I'm a buyer. I hold the bag. There are sellers that want to totally. sell to me. And also you don't necessarily need to rush. Like there's... But I be engaged. Be, be engaged. Be constantly engaged because there are little deals that squeak through all over the place, especially in times like this, because a bunch of people are losing engagement because of Christmas, because they're tired, because of all this crap. And that's when the deals come up. Like literally from week to week, you'll see a house sell and you're like, that sold for 200 How did nobody see it? And it's literally because it was around Christmas and nobody they was paying attention. They had a staff attention. party. They had a staff party right, and a bunch crazy. of people missed yeah. it. And so you had an opportunity to squeak in there. And like I'm seeing this now where I was looking at a property for clients and the offer date came and went. There's no offers. We should have offered then because we would have been the single offer. We waited two, three, four, five days, and another offer came in. Then we offered, and now it became a multiple offer situation. Yeah, I had and one of those. Too. All the strength was gone, was lost yeah. as a buyer, and the seller regained their strength because now there's multiples on th- on the table. Well, the way I look at it is like, listen, if all you were all hot and fired up to buy at a time where multiple offers were at an all-time high, there were more buyers than ever before, and there was a shortage of houses. Why wouldn't if you, you be in there now? Why wouldn't you be in there now? Right. That's that's the mindset shift of like, why are you only engaging when everyone else is engaged and then you're stepping back when everyone's stepping back? There's something to be said to contrarian mindset. Do the opposite of what other people are doing. If everyone else is going to the sidelines, that intuitively means this could be an opportunity for you to stand out and seize an opportunity while no one else is around. Again, being smart. I'm all about the contrarian mindset, but you got to be smart when you do it. It doesn't yeah. just mean like, well, if they're not doing it, I'm doing it. Well, no, 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 no. It means you got to still, you got to be smart about what you do. Um, the other thing I want to mention about multiple offers is right now, I just did one that had three offers. All three offers were like 70K below ask. So again, multiple offers now is not multiple offers what it was six months ago or a year ago. A year ago, if you had three offers, you're like, all right, this house is going for twice what they're asking. Yeah, but I know a place with multiple offers with 100 grand under was the highest bid. There you go. So this is a home that had multiple offers, 100 grand under was the highest bid. Don't. I was telling a set of investors last night that are looking to buy their first burr, and I said, hey, guys, don't worry about the amount of offers. 
you need to run your sheet and see what number you need to be at, and that's what we're going to offer based on. Yep. I'm going to try yep. and talk to the agent to get the best <laughs> gauge, um, but realistically, we need to be like, okay, if we need to be at 500 grand and it's up for 600, let's offer in that wheelhouse. It's multiples, fine, squeeze a little bit, 520. As long as you can still make money and feel comfy, do that. But don't be like, all oh, these multiples, so it's going to be, if, it, if there's two offers, it's got to be at at least ask. That is not the case at all. Um, and just be prepared to be rejected and still grind. You were doing it a year ago, so what's the difference in doing it today? Well, the answer is going to say, well, the, the rates the rates are what's different. It's like, okay. But you're getting a better deal. You're, you're getting, getting a, a better, better deal, and we've talked about this before. Um, if you're, you know, save thirty to $40,000 on the purchase, that more than offsets the higher interest rate over the term. And I do feel that within 18 months, maybe 24 months, you're going to be able to refinance into a lower rate anyway. So you're going to pay a lower sticker price and, you know, you will close the gap on the rate more than you expect. Exactly. So anyways, as a whole, negotiate, keep the gas on, keep looking. As a buyer, I would feel way more motivated now. Things are coming down the pipe. There's going to be a bunch more deals. Don't lose steam. I think this spring you're going to see a bunch of great opportunities. Um, so kind of keep keep on it. Uh, don't be disappointed if you see things sell for a little bit less than you paid. You know what your strategy is. You know what your values are. This is also another thing. You have time to get end value appraisals. So if you can get an end value appraisal, you know we're going to come out on the back end. Um, and I would say almost assume the worst. Like Always make sure you have lots of room in your numbers. Don't go after these tight little squeaking projects that barely make you any money. Try and get ones that have some lift because you're going to need that if the market goes down a little bit and it stays down for a while. But again, we expect that in probably two years, I think the market will come back with a vengeance because, again, our immigration yeah. targets, the way things are going, uh, I really do honestly believe it's going to keep going. Um, to double down, I'm just going to say it. And we're not necessarily going to get into our own news, maybe a little bit, but I have now two places under contract and I threw it a third expansion mode. I am, I am back. I took the last, I'd say, six, eight months off maybe a little longer, to get some projects done, understand where this rate market was going. And now already I'm starting to see some deals come back to the table and the sellers are working with me way more. Before I was just like, I have three weeks on a commercial deal and I couldn't even get the Enviro done in time. And I was yeah. just firming up because I'm like, well, even if the Enviro is $50,000, I'll just deal with it. Yeah. Um, and now we're able to like extend it out, extend it out. We're re-reviewing prices. We're making sure the stuff makes sense. Um, and that's how it should be really. But uh, yeah, I'm back out there shooting out offers again, and, and I'm, I'm bullish on where the market's going to go in the, in the future. Um, but again, going after that lift, making sure that there's a ton of room in those projects, so that even in times like this, you can get out of your deals. Like I am so fortunate that I'm refinancing my projects now and getting my money back, because otherwise I would have been very, very tight, and I know there's a lot of projects that aren't. Um, and so again, focusing on getting those those good deals, and I think you'll see those good deals over the next year. Yeah, and I think maybe what we'll do is next week we'll we'll check in on the status of that stuff and get a little update on on what's going on and what we're yeah. trying to do. And then coming up before the end of the year, we're going to do a couple episodes, one on kind of tracking, looking back, uh, but also projecting forward, goal setting, trends that we think are going to be on point uh, for 2023, what's going to be hot, what's going to be not hot. So those episodes are coming up as well. We're also loading a bunch of stuff onto the Patreon in the coming few weeks because we have a big surprise and a huge announcement for Patreon in the new year. Um, so lots of good stuff coming. As always, if you have a topic or if you have a question, please reach out and we try to answer as best we can in a timely fashion. Some of you reach out to us personally on, on our individual socials. That's great too. Uh, we'll continue to, to keep getting back to you. And if you post your questions down here and we're able to answer them, then everyone benefits from the answer. It's like, you know, the teacher saying in 
in class. Like there's always good questions because someone else has the same question out there and we want to build this community. So appreciate the feedback, appreciate the shares, appreciate the love. Uh, we love you right back. Yeah, we love you right back. Thank you guys so much for listening. It was super, super exciting to see uh, that a few a few people had us on their Spotify yeah. year, year in review. Um, yeah, we'll catch you in the next one. Thanks so much for watching the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, press like. Don't forget to subscribe. But also check us out on Instagram and TikTok. You can find all the links below. Thanks again for checking us out.